0: welcome back to the we know ball podcast and we got a little different schedule this week obviously releasing our last pod on wednesday today it's friday and gav we have a weekend headed our way in football
1: hell yeah we do it's maybe not as i feel like week four we got spoiled in college football because every ranked team and their mother was playing each other this week not so much but still some interesting matchups to keep an eye on and some storylines developing in the nfl we're coming up on that two to three week threshold we've set for ourselves where we said, okay, we'll start to figure out who's who and who's actually a contender versus a pretender. I think we're getting there. So we'll break down some games and
0: and see who's the real deal. I think we're getting there too, man. I mean it's a week it's been a week to week league thus far, but whew. We are going to get some answers after this weekend. But as Gav mentioned, got a packed show for you guys today. In college football, yet another fantastic slate for us to break down. Feels like we've been waiting for the Pac-12 takeover weekend all year. Well, it's finally here, and we're going to break it all down for y'all. Over in the NFL, as Gav mentioned, a lot of intriguing matchups across the league, including two teams that need to bounce back in the Ravens and the Cowboys. Then, of course, Gavin Seahawks taking on the Bengals on the road in Cincy. But before we get into all that, we got to start with college football, my favorite time of the week, and we begin with the Miami Hurricanes traveling to Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels. Gav, what are we seeing in this one?
1: I'm seeing a Hurricanes team that, for for lack of better words, need, needs to win this football game coming off of quite possibly the worst coaching blunder I've seen in a long time. Last week, I'm not saying a lot because... Dabo Sweeney still coaches college football. We got to get our weekly Dabo jab in. I, I know it's it's mandatory. So, I'm talking of course about Meyer Cristobal not taking a knee with 20 seconds left. Georgia Tech had zero timeouts. They fumble. GT goes down the field in three plays. They score the game-winning touchdown. Simply inexcusable. They go on the road here, take on a team in North Carolina that's sitting six and zero. Of course, Drake May playing some great football. They got Ted Walker back. They're hitting their stride. But similar to last week, and how I didn't want to give up on Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, I'm not ready to give up on Miami just quite yet. Call me crazy. And I mean, Chris Ball is going to lose some games. That was evident last week. That that was his fault. It was also Tyler Van Dyke's fault. Tyler Van Dyke threw three picks. Two of them coming inside the Georgia Tech red zone. They get three points on the board in one of those drives, and they win that football game. My thing with Miami is statistically, they're still a very, very good football team, especially on offense. Top 10 in the country in yards per play. Top, let's see, top 11 in the country in yards per rush attempt. They run the football really, really well. They protect Tyler Van Dyke really, really well. One stack a game. Offensively, they're doing everything that they need to be doing to win football games. And then you look on the defensive side of things, And they're okay. They're like top 25, top 30 in the country. But enough to give this Carolina team a run for their money. A Carolina team that really hasn't played anybody. They opened up with South Carolina. We've seen how they progressed this year. And then they had to go to double overtime with Appalachian State. They really haven't wowed me. I I do expect Miami to keep this one close. Being in Chapel Hill is going to cause the hurricane some issues. But I'm not ready to give up on Chris ball and company just yet.
0: You mentioned it being a must-win game for Miami. I think I'm right there with you. But with UNC. I mean, they're similar to Kentucky, man, where it feels like we do this every year. They come in 5-0. and Drake May looks phenomenal, but they need to get these ranked wins. Drake May is obviously playing great. 11th ranked pass defense of the nation. And the defense, man, they're playing just good enough to give this offense the opportunities they need. But, of course, as you mentioned, Miami, looking beside last week's coaching gaffe, this is a good team. Van Dyke has come back from injury last season in a huge way. They're getting it done on the ground and in the air. Now you mentioned the defense. They have the number one ranked rush defense in the nation right now. They're allowing 58 yards a game. They've tamed a lot of explosive offenses. Texas A&M is the one that comes to mind. And they're going to try and make UNC one-dimensional in this one. There's no doubt about it. UNC is going to have to throw the football a million times to get this one done. But I don't think that's going to happen this weekend. I think the Tar Heels are going to take this one late. they got to play defense. Drake May is going to need to win this game with good decision-making. And UNC continues the trend of taking down the U. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I really want this UNC team to be good. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, they – they were your preseason dogs, so I can I can get behind you, riding them out until the end. Similar with me from Miami. UNC must win for a couple of reasons, I agree. One, it's that time of year where you you know, you know said with Kentucky, too, it's like they start out great, and then uh, here comes the crumble soon. But also to keep pace uh, with Louisville, with Louisville playing some great and inspired football. I mean, Clemson's fallen out of the ACC race. Obviously, Florida State sits at the top. Who is that team that's going to challenge the Seminoles? Louisville wants to say it's them, but UNC sitting there saying, hold on. We're 6-0 also. Let's calm down a second. This would be a great statement win to add to their resume.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if they lose this game, they're going to be right there with Miami duking it out. Louisville, who knows if they have a loss coming up here. I mean, I remember we reviewed their schedule. it's pretty cupcake going forward. So, yeah, we'll see how this turns out. Huge game in the ACC. But as we mentioned in the preview, it is the Pac-12 weekend, and that takes us over to the UCLA Bruins traveling to Corvallis to take on Oregon State. And a beaver team that's starting to kick things into gear here, Gab.
1: Defense is showing up. Run game is really getting going, coming off of a 52-point explosion at Cal. We sure as hell didn't see that coming. We were on the under, so we, we were so wrong in that regard. But this game should be very, very, very physical, very interesting. It's a battle of elite run defenses. Two of the best in the country, two of the best in the Pac-12. Of course, Utah probably holds that title in the Pac-12, but uh, if you're looking at opponent yards per rush attempt, UCLA is actually second in the country, only behind James Madison, who I'm not counting. Uh, Oregon State is, is well up there on that list, too. They play great defenses, they're physical, and they both want to establish the running game. That's US, or UCLA's identity on offense. That's Oregon State's identity on offense. Oregon State is able to open up the downfield passing attack a little bit more than UCLA is, but that should be stymied by UCLA pass rush. They gave Cam Ward all kinds of fits last weekend. I don't really know what to expect in this game. The spread's four right now in favor of Oregon State. They're obviously at home. I don't expect them to put up 52 points again this week. And I know that's not exactly going out on a limb, but I expect their offense to struggle. This UCLA defense is nothing to write off. I mean, we've seen it. They played Utah, who, again, they don't have great offense, but held them and checked the entire game, held Cam Ward and company and checked the entire game. I need Oregon State to prove to me early in this game that they'll be able to move the ball in UCLA, and I'll buy in. But until then, I'm expecting a dogfight. I need to see what the over-under is because that may
0: be the play. Yeah, no, I like that too. Obviously, I dude, I have no read on this game either, to be honest with you. DJ Youngalele looked incredible last week, five touchdowns to the air. This offense, they're rolling, man, but their defense is taking big steps as well. They're stopping opponents in the air. They're stopping them in the ground game. But the problem for me with Oregon State is that opponents are scoring on them in the red zone. And if UCLA can get down there and play physical and just chug their way to that red zone, I think they have a pretty good chance in this one, which brings me to UCLA. This Chip Kelly squad, man, they ain't those dudes yet, but they're getting there. They're a fun squad to watch. This team plays incredibly physically. They run the ball extremely well. Shout out Carson Steele, of course. The only thing that really feels like it's holding the back the Bruins back right now is the immature of Dante Moore. And he's obviously going to be great eventually, but being a true freshman quarterback, you got to go through it a little bit, hash things out, and that's what he's doing right now. I really want to take UCLA in this one, but it's going to come down to who wins the line of scrimmage. And I think UCLA gives themselves a good chance with their physical play. But after what I saw from DJ last week, I feel like Oregon still sees a path for themselves to get back into this Pac-12 championship game conversation. And they come out to make a we're still here type statement in this one.
1: This game just feels a lot like The UCLA-Utah game two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was, when we were talking about the same thing, about a UCLA defense that is physical and can contend with Utah in the trenches. The defense is going to keep them in this game. Like you said, teams are scoring on Oregon State in the red zone. Uh, That's Oregon State's defense we're talking about, obviously. But I I I love the physicality of both teams here. I love the line of scrimmage for both teams. I love the defense's. It just feels like this game is going to come down to, can Dante Moore take this UCLA team down the field? I don't think he's ready for that yet, like you said. And then on the flip side, I do think DJ Uyadulele is going to have some trouble throwing the ball on this UCLA pass rush. I expect a low-scoring one, but I do expect a Beaver win late, as you said, trying to get their
0: name back in the uh, Pac-12 championship conversation. I like it, especially the way Oregon State played against Washington State, who we all know, great defensive line. They were physical. They took a D.J. on and made him uncomfortable. That's going to be the key to victory for UCLA in this one. But I'm right there with you. I think Oregon State's looking to get back on track in a big way. Moving on to what which is probably the most interesting game, not the best this week. And that is USC traveling to South Bend to take on this Notre Dame team. This game feels like it's going to get weird fast out there in Indiana. What are you seeing in this one? I'm seeing what I hope to be a track meet. I mean,
1: we know USC is going to score points, and we know they're going to try out a bunch of high schoolers on defense out there. Well, the defense isn't actually a bunch of high schoolers, but the, uh, the defensive coordinator is a high school coordinator. This game opens to the pick 'em. It quickly moves to Notre Dame minus two and a half, and points, 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 points is what's going to happen here. Although the over-under has been going down throughout the week. I saw it at 63 earlier. It's already down to 60. I mean, Notre Dame's out of the playoff race. But this is their chance to get back on track and salvage a season in which the hopes were so high against their biggest rival at home, the USC Trojans. And they have every opportunity to do so. They are able to gash this team through the air. They're able to gash this defense on the ground. I expect Audrick Estime to get going. I expect Sam Hartman to get going. I expect the Notre Dame defense to come out and make Caleb and company a little bit uncomfortable. However, this is Lincoln Riley, this is Caleb Williams, and this is a USC offensive attack that is incredibly difficult to thwart. We know that. I expect the home field advantage to play a huge factor in this one, which is why I like Notre Dame. And the fact that USC just can't play defense. I mean, a Notre Dame team that... God, I, I I want to take them to the moon. But after Louisville last week, I'm a little bit concerned. I just uh, – everything I've seen up until that Louisville game, though, leads me to believe object estimates is going to have a field day and Sam Hartman's going to do what he needs to do to help the Notre Dame team come out of South Bend with a victory.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned it, man. I mean, this game is all about is Notre Dame going to be able to move the ball offensively. They have not been able to do so the past couple of weeks. Besides Louisville, this defense has been fantastic, though, for Notre Dame. And putting the ball back in Sam Hartman's hands is going to be key in this one. He just needs to be more consistent as a downfield passer. Two ugly picks last week against Louisville. But if there was ever a game for this Notre Dame to get going, for this Notre Dame offense to get going, this is it. UNC USC's defense can't stop jack shit, as you mentioned. And I think last week was the nail in the coffin for the Trojans' hopes of being respected as a team defensively. That was an ugly one in Arizona. But Notre Dame just like they're not going to stop Caleb Williams, you know, because no one can. And they got to come ready to play some offense. USC understands their identity now. They know if they want to make a run this Pac-12, they have to turn every game into a track meet. And because I trust their offense a little more, I kind of want to roll with USC here, just because I need to see it from Sam Hartman to believe it. And that's where I'm at with this one.
1: I don't hate it. And we, we haven't seen it once this year from Sam Harbin. actually. Even going back to the North Carolina State game, that was Audrick SMA's takeover. They had that, well, it was like a weather delay. And then they come back and SMA breaks off an 80-yard touchdown. And the next week, the Buckeyes come to town and they score 14 points. And then they go on the road to Duke and they score 21 with one touchdown coming in the last minute and another one coming off the back of a fake punt that got them down to the five-yard line. And, of course, the Louisville debacle last week. We haven't seen the Notre Dame offense get going. So I understand the concern. I just think that this is the week they do it. I mean, the the, the talent's there. They are physical to line of script. Notre Dame offense, I want to see it all come together against probably the, the, the first defense that they'll have the chance to all season long. I got the Irish in this one and a close one, but if they come out and show me that the offense is not going to get going early, it's, I mean, chalk it up. Caleb Williams is going to come down and drop
0: 40 on them. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Obviously I need Sam Hartman to prove it, but regardless, this should be a good game this week and hopefully attract me. We need one. Yep. All right. Big ticket game of the weekend here. That is the undefeated ducks making the trip over to Seattle to face the undefeated Huskies. And man, do we have a good one on our hands here, Gab. I'm super stoked for this one.
1: It's going to be awesome. Maybe the best game of the year to this point. I I couldn't tell you a a matchup I was more excited for. Two top 10 teams, two elite offenses, and two defenses that don't get enough love, man. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now, and especially this Oregon defense. They come to play week in, week out. They are one of the best defenses in college football by any metric you look at. Yards per point, top seven. Yards per play, third in the country, only behind Penn State and UCLA. And when it comes to the run defense, yards per rush attempts, they're 11th. They only give up three per attempt. They're incredibly physical. They get four and a half sacks per game. They get after the quarterback. It doesn't get talked about enough. They fly under the radar. Bo Nix, Heisman candidate, obviously. But being in Seattle is going to play a huge factor. In this game. That is the reason Washington Washington is a three-point favorite. That and the fact that this air attack that Washington boasts, Oregon hasn't seen one like it all year. They haven't seen one like it in a long time. This is a Washington pass attack that is just incredibly difficult to stop. One of the best wide receiver rooms in the country to go along with an incredibly accurate quarterback who does not uh does not turn the ball over, takes care of it. His O-line protects him. I mean, everything you want in an effective offense that passes the football first, Washington has it. And that's the key to the game for this one. They need to keep Michael Penix upright. Do not let this Oregon pass rush get after him. They need to win the turnover battle. And then on the defensive side of things, they need to slow down the Oregon rushing attack. They do those things, and Washington wins this game easily. They don't, and look out. Don't let the ducks off because they have a very, very talented team on both sides of the football that when they're able to play their game and stick to their identity, they are damn near impossible to beat.
0: Yeah, I mean, this Ducks team, they've been phenomenal this far. It's no secret. This game feels like it's not only going to really decide who has the upper hand in the Pac-12, but who has the upper hand in the Heisman as well. Obviously, you mentioned Michael Penix, but Bo Nix has been fantastic this year. You have two phenomenal quarterbacks coming to this one. Oregon's offense, as you mentioned, they can really do it all. They can hurt you in the air. They can hurt you on the ground. Over in Washington, probably the deadliest rec- deadliest receiving core in college football. But as you mentioned, the key for both these teams is on the defense. Oregon has been phenomenal at stopping the pass this year. It's no secret they ranked top five in the NCAA. If Washington wants to get things going, I feel like they're actually going to have to kind of establish things on the ground a little bit here. The reason why Texas Tech was able to make such a good makes come in as such a good matchup for Oregon is they got to the Ducks on the ground. If the Huskies cannot open up their ground game, they're going to be one dimensional. I like the Huskies at home here, but let's get the play action rolling. It's all about who wants it more, and I do not want to see Dan Lanning in a position to be in the Pac-12 Championship game. <laughs>
1: I like that. I like that take a lot. You're right. This this Oregon team, they run the ball well, better than Washington does. And you're right, they stop the pass. So Washington is going to have to get the ground game going if they want to get out early in this game. It's interesting with the Pac-12 because, you know, we just had the Red River Rivalry last week where We came into it and we said, the winner of this game probably controls their destiny. It doesn't probably, no, no probably about it. The winner of that game controlled their destiny and reaching the cultural playoff. It's just funny to me that we don't say the same thing about this game when these are clearly the two best teams in the Pac-12. And the winner should control their destiny to get to the CFP. And I guess on paper they do. But this is a conference where everyone just eats each other alive. So no matter who comes out of this game on top, I'm still excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. And if that team can stay on top. Because someone's due for an upset every year. Maybe a couple in the Pac-12, the way they eat each other. Anyhow, this game's going to be fucking amazing. Defenses are the key, as you said. I've got Washington in a close one as well. But if they get out to an early disadvantage... Look out for
0: Oregon to dictate the tempo with the run game in their defense. Exactly. I love that you mentioned tempo. That's what it's all about for this Oregon team. And obviously, I think you mentioned it. If this game was in November, we'd be talking about deciding the Pac-12. But we're only like halfway through the season. There's a lot of weird stuff that is still due to happen in the Pac-12. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I I
1: hope they're too good this year to not have anybody in the CFP. Either one of these teams could contend, and I said it last week uh, during our winners and losers, or I guess this was on Wednesday, but it feels like there's six, seven, eight teams that have a legitimate shot at winning it all this year. So it would be a shame to see one of those Pac-12 teams that is in that six, seven, eight team range. Not make it because they just beat each other up.
0: Yeah, and I think the committee will recognize that. Obviously, I mean, Washington and Oregon are too good not to have serious consideration for the CFP.
1: You would think, right? Especially if they stroll in there as a one-loss team uh, into the Pac-12 championship. I mean, a, a one-loss Pac-12 champion should get in no matter what. But what if there are two-loss Pac-12 champ? That's that's my concern. Or what if a Washington team goes into the Pac-12 champ- championship undefeated? And loses like that. That is my concern for this conference. But you said it. I, the committee should consider how loaded and deep this conference is when evaluating them at the end of the season.
0: I mean, hypothetical here. Are you taking a one loss Ohio State team over a one loss Washington team with the uh, with the conference championship? With the conference. Cha- OK, never mind. Say Washington loses in the conference championship.
1: And they're what? Uh, so that make them 12 and one with no championship. And Ohio State is 12 and one with a championship. 11 and one, no championship for Ohio State. Oh, that's right. I mean, you gotta take Washington. I would at least they they got they got an extra win under their belt. They have played a tougher schedule other than Michigan and Penn State. But yeah, you you can't put because that would be putting Michigan and Ohio State in there over a one loss Washington
0: team. I, I I couldn't do that. But then again, committees all over the place, unpredictable. Hundred percent. All right, that breaks down our key matchups of the weekend, but there are still some top 25 matches we like out there. And, Gav, yeah, I'm going to have you start us off here. What games do you have your eyes on this weekend?
1: I got my eyes on a couple. Uh, we talked about the SEC West uh, having, having some key games this week, but we didn't touch on any of them quite yet. I'm looking down to Baton Rouge and Auburn going into LSU. This one is intriguing to me for a number of reasons. This is an Auburn defense that, at home, held Georgia's run game in check. They held Georgia to 100 yards on the ground. It was a great game for the Auburn Tigers, almost escaped the victory. They weren't that great through the air, and I do think Jaden Daniels will be able to gash them down there in Baton Rouge. But on the flip side, this LSU defense is like USC's. It's absolutely porous. Auburn has a questionable QB situation, but they will be able to run the ball. I got my eyes on that one for the Auburn Tigers to keep it close, um, especially with the line being as close as it is. I think it's a short line. Let me let me confirm right here. But it was four and a half when I saw it. Wait, oh, I was way off. So I was looking at a different game. It's LSU minus 11 and a half right now. I expect Auburn to keep it a lot closer than that. I also have my eyes on uh AM going into Tennessee. This is a Tennessee team that is. Better defensively than most people will give them credit for, but I expect the offense to have their hands full a little bit with this AM defense. An AM defense that, aside from the big plays against Bama, was great about stifling the run, was great. Uh it, there were a couple of third-down conversions that Bama got. And if they didn't get them, AM wins that game by two scores. Like they're gonna go into Tennessee and give the balls all they can handle, try to keep pace in the SEC West and try to knock knock Tennessee off the rocket a little bit. A team that looks like the only team that can maybe somewhat compete with Georgia in that SEC East. Finally, I'm looking at Durham, North Carolina, and Duke taking on North Carolina State at home. Do you know if Riley Leonard comes back this week? I need to figure that out. I don't think so. He had a high ankle sprain. Let's see. Let me see. Latest on Riley Leonard. I mean, yeah, it's tough to come back from a high ankle sprain only two weeks later. I'm still intrigued by it because this Duke team is good. Outside of outside of Riley Leonard, they're a short favorite minus three at home. And they're looking to keep pace in the ACC also. Don't forget, they have zero ACC losses. Their only loss is to Notre Dame. They're a team that uh, North Carolina and Louisville has to contend with also, especially upon the return of Riley Leonard.
0: Yeah, that game kind of screams dogfight to me
1: hmm I couldn't agree more. Over under forty-four, that's so low for a college game. Um,
0: I'm that you mentioned AM at Tennessee. I think that's a huge game, especially with the way A&M's defense played last week, especially in the secondary. Like if Joe Milton gets loose, man, this game could get ugly for AM and might even be the nail in Jimbo Fisher's coffin if he loses this one.
1: Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. I, I want AM to keep it close so bad just because they're a good team. They're better than the record says every fucking year. But you're right, Jimbo could be uh, on the hot seat they go into and they go Neeland
0: and lose this football game. Yeah. I mean, the uh, last game I have my eyes on this, or two of them I have my eyes on this weekend are two teams that are looking to bounce back and that's Missouri, Kentucky. I think that game is going to be unreal. I think it could be about points. It could be just a Kentucky blowout. Who knows, man. I mean, you got two teams here that have really impressed this year and one wants to prove they're legit. Well, after we saw last week with that Kentucky
1: passing defense, getting absolutely obliterated by Carson Beck, you're going to have a hard time convincing me. Brady cook. Isn't going to go in there and do something similar Kentucky's not gonna have to score points, which they weren't able to do last week. But against a Missouri run defense that's good, not great. I, I almost leave Missouri there, but it is in Kentucky where they handled Florida with ease a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, for Kentucky, it always just comes down to can they get Ray Davis going? He's their he's their workhorse back there. He's the guy who opens the field up for Devin Leary. We'll see how it goes. The last game I have my eyes on this weekend and that is our Wisconsin Badgers welcoming the Iowa Hawkeyes to Camp Randall. Must-win game for both teams in the West. I really don't know how it's going to turn out. It feels like a game the Badgers could lose if they don't come out focused and ready to execute, which we've seen this year at times. I think this is a big identity game for the Badgers. We're going to see if they are actually a favorite in the West in this one. If they can handle this Iowa defense, I have a lot more confidence in the Badgers, not only heading in and taking care of business in Illinois, but giving Ohio State a fight at home.
1: Speaking of – Low over-unders, 34-and-a-half. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. So bad, Big Ten football, but you're absolutely right. Uh, We need to handle this Iowa defense because Iowa's not going to score. I mean, Cade McNamara is out for the season. They couldn't score with him. They're not going to score without him. We need to come out and establish ourselves as the team to be here. It's crazy. This, over, this over-under is 34-and-a-half, and we're 10-point favorites. Oh, my God. That is wild, but – I'll be in attendance. Uh, me and pops going to the game together, so it should be a good one. Go Badgers!
0: I'm feeling seventeen to five Badgers to cover the spread. Iowa gets a safe. We get our, we get a touchdown or two touchdowns and a field goal.
1: That would be classic Badger fashion: giving up a safety but scoring just enough to cover our spread and hit the under.
0: Yeah, speaking of spreads and unders, it's time for picks, Gav, and boy, do we need to bounce back in college football this week. I'm not going to lie,
1: Jasper, I have certainly lost a little confidence after last week. I mean, that was one of my worst performances of all time, but that being said, we're bouncing back in a big way. We studied the slate. We feel good about the slate. We want to attack the slate. First pick, I already mentioned it, UCLA, Oregon State, under 54 Seems like far too many points for a game that should get physical real quick. If UCLA starts to get down the field and finish in the red zone, uh-oh, I could be in trouble. However, I expect their pass rush to give DJ Aguilale a lot of problems. I expect their run defense to stifle Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick just enough to slow this offense down. And on the flip side, I expect Dante Moore to struggle going on the road in the Pac-12 conference playing against a top-25 team and an elite defense.
0: I have that pick as well. I know I'm going back to the well there with uh, Oregon State Unders, and I got burned last week, but I think we could really get that one in a big way. My first pick of the week is UNC minus three, buying the half point. I like this one. I think it's a winner. At worst, we get the push, and no one likes a push, but I still like UNC to come out and make a statement in this one.
1: I think depending on where you look, it's already at three. I think it keeps getting bet down by these people like myself are high on Miami.
0: Well, then fuck yeah. it. Let's buy the point and get the two and a half.
1: <laughs> you can give out the two and a half because I'm seeing it on DraftKings right now. It's at, it's at three flat. So, um, yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to bet against Miami in that game. But, of course, I understand the reasoning. North Carolina team it's very good at football. Miami team that has an absolute buffoon at the head coach position. My second pick, I guess I'm dying on this hill. Give me Notre Dame minus two and a half. If they win this game, they'll win by a field goal. That is for sure. Sam Hartman company, they just got to get going. Like, if they're going to do it, this is the fucking week to do it. At home, against your biggest rival, who does not play defense. You do play defense. I mean, if Arizona can cover a spread against USC in the Coliseum, Notre Dame should handle business in South Bend. Give me the Irish minus two and a half. I'll die on that hill.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. I'm heading over to Texas A&M at Tennessee, and I'm grabbing that over at 55 and a half or 55 points. I think this game could be about points, whether or not A&M stops Tennessee on offense. Both of these teams are going to put up some points. Give me the over.
1: I like it. And we just talked about it. Some teams that don't play a whole lot of defense can move the ball pretty well. AM A&M gives us some big plays. Joe Milton loves the big play. For my third and final pick, I just mentioned it. I want a sneaky Missouri money line. I love them going into Kentucky. Kentucky does well against teams that run the football. Talking about Florida, obviously, they're able to shut that team down effectively. They could not shut down Carson Beck in the passing attack. Brady Cook and company will have success doing that, even in Lexington. I don't give a fuck. They're they're, going to be good. The Missouri run defense is also better than they get credit for. Uh, actually i take that back they're okay good not great i expect them to stop ray davis just enough to where they can get brady cook and company going keep this game close and ultimately make a big play coming down the stretch to, to take this game on the road i like missouri give me the money line screw the points
0: i like it but i also don't like it because i had to reroute here after the oregon state pick and i have kentucky minus two and a half at home I think they're gonna be able to establish the ground game against Missouri, and I think that's gonna open things up. This game does not scream any defense to me. Track meet, track meet, track meet. I like Kentucky and Lexington. I might die on this hill, same way you're dying on the Notre Dame Hill. We'll see how it goes though. Don't hate it. Uh you know, we,
1: we go good, sir, sometimes. That's all that's all good. Uh, it's it's a tough game to pick. It's an interesting slate too, with just so many close lines that I'm gonna to go to the drawing board later today and, and, and reevaluate, see what we're working with here. But I like what we got. Decent portfolio. Uh, we need to bounce back weak in the worst way. I like that we're both in that UCLA or Oregon State under. It just seems like way too many points for a game that should be physical. So maybe if you're listening, that's the play you target.
0: I think that is the play you target. As you mentioned, it feels a lot like the Utah UCLA game. I think it's going to be about defense and physicality. And maybe DJ Angulele makes a mistake here or there. We saw what happened against Washington State when he was put under pressure who knows what happens but yeah that wraps up college football should be a fun weekend I can't wait to break down that Oregon Washington game heading into the next week but we got to jump over to the NFL here because we have a huge weekend in the NFL it is a proven week for a lot of teams including Gav Seahawks taking on the Bengals and of course yet another week of great matchups in the AFC South and before we get into anything, can we just talk about how much the Broncos suck first?
1: That game, I I hardly even watched that game last night. I, I flipped it on for all of about five minutes and then flipped it off and turned on the braves Phillies game instead because playoff baseball was far more enticing and electric to me than uh, watching that shit show of a fucking game.
0: Oh, it was so bad, man. It was so bad that Al Michaels was like, I don't want to cover Taylor Swift. And they had to cover Taylor Swift just because she was the only storyline in that game. <laughs>
1: Had to keep viewership somehow.
0: Besides maybe Sean Payton being a horrible head coach, there's nothing much going for the Broncos here. They might be worse than the Raiders, which is saying a lot. How about the Chiefs, though? Unable to score more than 20 on that defense.
1: Kind of kind of concerning. I mean, the Broncos defense is porous, especially against the pass, which is obviously where the Chiefs thrive. So I guess they got that going for them. But the inability to score more than more than one touchdown against the Chiefs is also uh very, very Broncos-esque and Russ, man. The Seahawks, the Seahawks, that, that trade gets gets better and better each day. <laughs> you gotta
0: love what you're seeing, man. All right, <clears throat> heading out to London, where we begin our breakdown, and that is with the Ravens looking to bounce back against the Titans. We want to prove they have a chance to win this AFC South. This is a huge game for both squads. Ravens need to prove they are more than just Lamar Jackson. The receivers need to catch the football. Aguilar is back with the case of the drops again. What are we feeling in this one?
1: I'm feeling a close one. Maybe not a whole lot of points scored. My one concern is you mentioned the Titans needing to stop Lamar Jackson. The Titans don't really stop anybody. <laughs> that's that, that's my one thing with this team. They get one dimensional on offense at times, but this is a game for both teams that they they need to win. The Titans are sitting at two and three. They need to keep pace in the AFC South. They need this win in London. The Ravens, on the flip side, coming off a brutal loss to Pittsburgh, sitting at three and two. They need to win, especially now that the Bengals might be finding their stride on offense too. They can't be starting to fall behind in the AFC North. I expect a physical one, maybe a sloppy one, two teams getting acclimated to, you know, the time difference and just the environment over there in London. It's tough for me to get a gauge on this one, but I can tell you one thing. I'll be excited to get up and watch because I expect some mistakes to be made. If anything, I think the Ravens pull away early, but look out for Mike Vrabel because we know how he plays as an underdog. This one's going to be physical. Both teams will turn it over at least once, and one team will come away at the very end with a big play, big stop on defense, big bomb, whatever it might be, that ultimately seals the game.
0: I love it. I mean, I think, as you mentioned, I kind of really love the under in this game. I think it's going to be both teams coming off sluggish, a little jet lagged. It's going to, which team gets going early is going to really set the tone here. But where my eyes turn to in this game is the Tennessee Titans run defense. The Ravens, ever since they lost, uh, oh my God, Jakey Dot. J.K. Dobbins. Their run game has not been anything impressive. This Titans defensive line is very good. I think if they can shut down the run game and force Lamar to be a thrower, they're going to really put themselves in a good position to win this game. Now, will they? I don't know. I really like the Ravens in this one just because I feel like they need this one more and they want it more. And I think it's a battle two really good head coaches. We're going to see what Lamar can do in this one. If he can get the ball going downfield, it might get ugly for Tennessee. The Titans also just struggle to finish drives. I mean, they had a great game against Cincinnati a couple weeks ago where they
1: scored 27. But more often than not, they're getting down in the red zone and just failing to convert, man. They settle for field goals. Ravens' game management at times is a bit concerning to me. I like the Ravens. the Ravens in this one also but I think I like the under more.
0: Yeah. I mean, Derek Henry's their best quarterback in the red zone and he's still missing passes.
1: <laughs> Seriously, man. Ryan Tannehill is just not the answer. It's sad too. Cause this is like Titans last chance to, put together a playoff run. I mean, we talked about this I think a couple weeks ago. They're not suitable contenders, but they can certainly get to the playoffs which would, uh, I think, be a win for them this season.
0: No, 100%. Speaking of teams that are looking to just get to the playoffs, well, I mean, the Seahawks are shot. But Seahawks at Bengals, and Gav, I'm going to let you take the floor here because this is just a huge game on paper. Yeah,
1: should be explosive, should be exciting. I expect a lot of points scored because there's one thing I know about my Seahawks, it's that we refuse to rush any, or we refuse to get any pass rush going ever uh, and the secondary decides to hold up at certain points throughout the game but certainly not for the entire game the Bengals are going to score some points in this one there, there's no question about that this game is going to come down to whether or not my boy Gino and the offense can get going and keep up I expect this game to soar over 45 where the line's set at right now but this game I, I, as a Seahawks fan if we lose this one I, I'm really not that concerned like this is a Bengals team that. Is a favorite in the AFC preseason. Once they find their stride, they'll be right back in the picture. Seahawks lose, they're at three and two. So be it. They're gonna have a hard time winning their division anyways. Considering the best team in football plays in the NFC West, we fall to three and two. We're still right in the playoff hunt. But if the Bengals fall to two and four, oh boy, do they have problems? This game means so much more to Cincinnati than it does to Seattle. Cincinnati is expected to win this game. They are expected to make this game a non-contest. They are expected to get to three and three, get back in the AFC North hunt, and if they don't, panic, 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 panic. All hell will break loose in Cincinnati, and I'll be sitting here as a Seahawks fan going, "Okay, great, four and one. We're still not winning. We're still not winning the division, but we're certainly in the driver's seat to get a great playoff, a great you know wild card ranking, and maybe uh, take on a team like say the." Fucking Buccaneers round one, and maybe maybe get through to the get through the wild card round and into the divisional. This game means the world's Joe Burrow and company. It doesn't mean a whole lot of sense to, to Seattle. For that reason, I do like the Bengals to win this game, but. I do expect a lot of points to be scored.
0: I think you mentioned it. Points, points, points. That one, that's what this one's all about. Can Joe Burrow and this offense continue to build off the rhythm they found last week? Obviously, Devin Witherspoon's gonna look to shut down Jamar Chase. No T. Higgins, that really helps the Seahawks cause there. But yeah, I mean I lean Seahawks in this one because I feel like this is a game that there's a lot of pressure on the Bengals. And that's not to say they haven't handled pressure in years past, but I just I don't know if Joe Burrow's healthy still. I don't know. If this team has the leaders on defense, obviously losing Jesse Bates has been such a huge thing for them to come together and play a complete game. And Joe Mixon, you need to get it going on the ground, dude. This is bad right now. They are a one-dimensional team with Joe Burrow back there. And Joe Burrow is not have the mobility right now, given his injury to create plays the way he's used to give me the Seahawks in this one, not by a lot. It's going to be a close game, but I think the Seahawks are just the tougher team right now. Oh, thank
1: the thing about the Hawks, though, and I mean, the stats back it up, but more so the eyes because I watch every minute of every one of our fucking games. Joe Burrow is going to have all day to throwback there. Like we refuse to to blitz. We refuse to get any sort of pressure on the quarterback. He'll be fine. He's not going to be pressured a whole lot the entire game, which will allow him to pick our secondary apart. And that is why I do expect the Bengals to be able to move the ball pretty effectively. But on the flip side, this Bengals defense has been nothing short of average all season. And Geno and company, we love average defenses. We pick them apart too, because we are a far more balanced offensive attack with K-9 back there and with Geno coming off to play action. If the Seahawks were able to get some pressure on the quarterback, I'd be all over us in this game, but we're not. I expect Burrow to be able to get comfortable back there and be able to make some plays down the field to Jamar Chase, down the field to T. Higgins. They're um, sorry, he's not playing. Just down the field to anybody, to be honest, because our secondary is a goddamn joke. I lean bangles, but again, I like the total more. I like the over. Just take it, forget about it. It'll get there.
0: That's going to be the play of the weekend right there. All right, <laughs> last matchup we got to break down here, and that is the – or no, we got two more for you, sorry. That is the Colts at the Jags and another heavyweight AFC South matchup. Anthony Richardson out of this one. Colts need to establish the run, attack this Jags defense downfield on play action. Can they do it with Gardner Minshew back there, Gavin? Probably crazy, but at this moment in time, they're better with Gardner back there. And that's not
1: taking anything away from AR because he's been phenomenal. But for where this Colts team is at right now, which is in the middle of a rebuild with a defense that is good, not great, decides to show up at times, decides to not show up at other times, an offense that is predicated on the run more so than anything. Minshew's a game manager who just doesn't turn the ball over. And that is perfect for this Colts team going into Jacksonville and looking to sit atop the AFC South. This is my favorite game of the weekend. And we just covered a game where my my Seahawks are going into Cincinnati and playing Joe Burrow and company. I am so excited for this Colts-Jags game because these are two teams that play just whole or opposite styles of football. The Jags don't defend the pass. They try to get the ball downfield with their passing attack, whereas the Colts defend the pass pretty well and just don't turn it over. Like That's their identity. You hold on to the football, win time of possession, ground and pound, wear their team out win by three to five points, keep it under 40 points total. It's going to be fucking awesome. The Jags defense stepped up for the first time last week. Now, I don't know if that was more so to do with the Bills going to London and the Jags haven't already been there for a week, or if they're actually starting to find their footing. Regardless, I'm excited to see how they hold up this week. On the cold side of things, I already said it, key to the game. Don't turn it over. They're not going to be explosive on offense
0: but they will be just good enough to keep pace with the Jags and make this one very close. I love all those takes. I think what's the most interesting aspect of this game for me is, are the Jags going to be feeling any reverse jet lag? They've been in London for two weeks now. They're pretty darn used to London time, coming back to the States off a short week. Not a short week, but still like only a week, is that going to be enough for them to get right? It, it can certainly play a factor. I I don't disagree with you there.
1: I know we talked about it last week and the, the bills may be impacting them. It certainly did. Maybe, but I think they're playing the right team to where, <laughs> it, 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 you know, if they're playing a high-powered explosive offense, it might be a little bit more concerning, but they're not. It'll be a grueling physical game. That's what the Colts want to do, at least, with Shane Steichen and company. I, I, I lean the Jags in this one, but I like this Colts team to surprise a lot of people and make this AFC South race really close coming down the stretch. Preseason, we talked about it being the Jags and the Titans. I'm pretty confident the Colts are going to be there throughout the entire season.
0: I think so as well. I mean, they've been a team that's been a quarterback away this whole time, this past decade, and they just always put a complete team out there no matter what. I'm going to be interested to see how Jonathan Taylor coming back really affects this squad. I think Zach Moss still takes the reins there,
1: but give JT a couple more weeks to get back in business and he'll be cooking. He was hurt while he was sitting out,
0: too. No, 100%. I mean, that guy, I'm surprised they paid him as much money as they did. I think that was a, not a bad move for the Colts, but I mean, we'll see how it plays out.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you don't pay a guy that much money to not play him. So they'll ease him back in, get him going. But until then, Zach Moss
0: looks like the truth. So let him feast. 100%. All right. Back-to-back weeks with the Cowboys in prime time. And this time they are taking on the Chargers in LA. Can the Cowboys bounce back after last week's ugly loss to the Niners? And can the Chargers play a complete game? I don't know right now, Gav. This game is just mind boggling.
1: <laughs> I feel like with each game we get on this, you know, further down our agenda, I keep I keep thinking, wait, maybe this game's my favorite. Because first it was Seahawks Bengals, then it was Colts Jags. Now we're on a Cowboys Chargers. You said it. The storylines for each team are incredible. This is a Chargers team that, like, they have no reason to not reach the playoffs. So much talent on defense, obviously loaded on offense. One of the best QBs in the league, one of the best running backs, an elite receiving core, even with Mike Williams going down, they're still phenomenal. But they have Brandon Staley, head coach. That's their Achilles heel. On the flip side with the Cowboys, and we talked about last week going into Santa Clara, maybe this was the week Dak comes out and proves he can be the guy this season. He can take this team all the way. Clearly, the Niners are just on a different fucking tier in terms of teams the nfl but this week Dak has no excuses zero excuses this is a chargers defense that will allow anyone to score on them anyone everyone and a cowboys offense that needs to get going because this defense is playing well I, i don't care about last week like i said the niners are on a different fucking tier there's no excuses this week this is a poorest chargers defense Dak and company need to get the ball rolling Not Dak and company, just Dak. Move the ball down the field. You mentioned it during our recap this week. He's averaging less than seven yards per pass attempt. It's fucking ridiculous. If they don't get it going this week, I am out on the Cowboys because there there is no excuses. Zero, zero, zero excuses. Too much talent, too much physicality, too many just great players to waste a team like this,
0: especially, especially against a Brandon Staley-led Chargers team. You know Jerry Jones wants that last Super Bowl ring before he dies. It's not <laughs> coming this year, though, man. Dak, you need to get the ball downfield, but I just don't know if he's the quarterback to do so. A lot of talk this week about CeeDee Lamb, whether he's actually a true number one wide receiver. I think he's hearing that. I think they try and get him activated in this game. And they need to because obviously Brandon Cooks is not stretching the field the way they want him to. Michael Gallup is still not been hasn't been the same player since he tore his ACL. Tony Pollard, need to get the ground game going as well. That was a big hole in their offense last week. I think this game really comes down to which defense comes to play. And I lean the Cowboys just because we all know Micah Parsons is one of the best outside linebackers in the NFL. Obviously, we see the difference not having Trayvon Diggs has on this defense. I mean, Stephon Gilmore got pretty darn torched last week. It'll be really interesting to see if the Chargers can get after Dak, force pressure, and force turnovers because that's something I feel like for all the money they spent on that secondary, and I know J.C. Jackson's gone now, but they just do not force turnovers over there in L.A., and they play a lot of close games, and when they turn over the football, it usually means the other team is scoring. Can Dallas be that team that scores on them?
1: My brain's in a freaking blender with this one just because I, I don't know who I have more faith in. I mean, it's 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 you're asking me to back a Cowboys offense that looks completely stagnant, but also on the flip side – You asked me to back a Chargers defense that's horrible and led by Brandon Staley. So I I think I'm going to go back and forth on this one all weekend up until game time, but please, Dak, come out for the love of God and just make some plays.
0: Don't turn it over. Get CD involved and win the game. You should win. Hey man, Dak, it's on you now. Prove Gav right. Come on now. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, But that wraps up our main games we're looking at this weekend. Gav, what other games do you have your eyes on?
1: It's a, it's an interesting slate, Jasper. Interesting slate. One game that really sticks out to me, the Saints Texans game. We talked about the Titans wanting to keep pace in the AFC South. So do the Texans. They're two and three. They're not out of it by any stretch of imagination. They're only one game back, and they're at home against the Saints team that plays good defense, but certainly doesn't play good offense. And they're an underdog. It's mind-boggling to me. This is they, they're coming off of a stretch of three weeks where they play phenomenal football. Taking care of business in Duval County. Taking care of business at home against the Steelers. And then last week, I mean, Atlanta's a tough place to go into and win. And they kept it close. It required a young Waikou field goal late in the game to knock them off. CJ Stroud went down the field, put together a go-ahead drive. It, It all looked great. And they come out this week, and they're an underdog against a Saints team that can't move the football? It baffles me a little bit i love houston i love him a lot and cj stroud is he, he's the answer he's a great fucking quarterback he doesn't turn it over he moves it down the field he's accurate to all levels i got my eyes on that one the texans come out and shut people up other than that i'm looking at the slate there's some intriguing games some spots where some teams like shouldn't overlook anybody <laughs> you got the battle of the bottom of the nfc north that should be fun bears vikings uh up up there in chicago Deshaun Watson just got ruled out in the Niners-Browns game. That should be a blowout. Pat's Raiders, Jasper. Are you excited about that one?
0: I am. That's the game I have my eyes on right here. I think this game is a huge opportunity for us to blow our season, whether we win or lose. (laughs) I mean, if we win, we get back to 500, and now we have something to play for. And just the way this regime has gone, I feel like we're going to make a stupid trade at the deadline and try and think we can compete this year. Which, I mean, isn't the worst idea given how bad the Chargers look and how bad the Broncos look. Maybe we can sneak in on this weekend AFC. But either way, this team, oh, my God, like what are we doing here? We have the battle of two teams, two directionless franchises. It's going to be a weird one. I feel like I lean Raiders just because, I mean, I think we are the better team. It's crazy I'm saying this, but Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the most competent quarterback on the field in that one, which is pretty crazy to think about. But Josh Jacobs has been making improvements every week. Jacoby Myers looks like the real deal in the slot. Can we get Devontae Adams going in this one? I think so, just because the Patriots defense is pretty lackluster. But we'll see. I'm I'm pretty excited for that one. How are you feeling about it?
1: Uh, like you said, spot on with two directionless franchises. I'm excited to see who wants it just slightly more. Or should I say who's just slightly less worse? I think that's the battle of uh... – the battle in the storyline in that game. I think I I, I probably lean Raiders also because they're at home, especially, and the Patriots talking about Trot and Will Greer out there. It it could turn into a just absolute shit show really quick.
0: I saw a report. We might see Malik Cunningham coming up here pretty soon, which could be exciting over there in New England. Awesome. That game, three point spread seems about accurate
1: another game to three point spread that I kind of have my eyes on. Is Detroit going into Tampa Bay? Detroit looks great, obviously. I, I was wrong about this team coming into the season. They're they're great. They're playing great, especially on the defensive side of things, getting after quarterbacks. But Vegas sure seems to think this offense is going to have a tough time moving it on the Buccaneers' defense. I don't know if I agree, but I am certainly intrigued to find out.
0: Yeah, same there. I mean, Baker's been playing great. we got to give Baker more credit for what he's doing down Tampa Bay. He looks unreal. But, yeah, I mean, the three-point – Favorite kind of has me thrown for a loop. I think it's going to be a game. I think it's going to be a weird one. I mean, that feels like a game Detroit could drop. Certainly, and I, I think Vegas is
1: trying to you and take in Detroit so that so that when they do drop it, they rake in a, all a bunch of fucking money on Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay's defense has been playing some some inspired football this year too. I think if you look at uh, the yards per play metric, they rank up there pretty high. Let me confirm. Uh, yeah, they're, t- they're 10th in the league in yards per play right now up there with likes of, uh, Atlanta, Kansas city, Detroit could be, could be a defensive battle.
0: And that's, that's weird. You know, talking about a defensive battle, talking about the uh, Detroit lions. Um, another game that has my eyes glued to it is this commander's Falcons game because the Falcons are two and a half point favorites. And this is more so just because of the implications of this game. I mean, if the Falcons win this one, they improved to four and two on the year and probably first in the AFC South, which or the NFC South, which that division is just a shit show, man. Holy fuck. It's so weird. I will say, though, we were talking
1: about, you know, if my Seahawks can improve to 4-1 and and position themselves for that five seed in the NFC, more likely than not, the Falcons the team we would get (laughs) coming out the gate. And it's tough to go into Atlanta and win, man. It's really, really, really tough. So I'd be concerned about that. I got the Falcons in this one. I, I like Sam Howell to go in there and throw at least two
0: interceptions against the Falcons defense that should have play Inspired. Yeah, I mean, at what point, what record do you think the Falcons have to have for them to trade for a quarterback?
1: <laughs> the problem is I think they actually do have faith in Desmond Ritter, man. And it's like he's great at home. I think he's like 5 6 no at home. He can't lose at home. But on the road, he's horrible. In general, he's not a good quarterback. I mean, he he was he was efficient last week. He didn't turn the ball over, and that's the reason they won the game, but he starts turning it over and this Falcons team is doomed for. So I I don't see it happening this season, but I mean think about it too. If they have a great record, if they you know they get to, they get out to five and two, six and two, seven and three, whatever it may be, what's the incentive to change things up the QB position?
0: Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. We'll see how the NFC South plays out. That's gonna be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other games you have your eyes on before we get into picks here? Nah, that's it, man.
1: I mean, looking across the rest of the board, it's 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 pretty weak. I am excited though, seriously, to see the battle of the battle of who's worst in the NFC North. I just made a a friendly wager with one of my Vikings friends, one one of my Viking fan friends, uh, that they would finish at the bottom of the NFC South. And as you know, I, I've been saying this is the preseason, so I would have made I would have made the deal preseason. So the fact that they're sitting there at the bottom right now. Of course, we'll take that. It'd be so funny if Justin Fields won that game.
0: Oh, my God. Vikings fans wouldn't have the end of it. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, we know a lot of Bears fans here. They've been weighing the yap at uh, some Vikings fans. Yeah, the yapping would be fucking crazy on Twitter if the Bears won this game. 100%. All right. Let's jump into picks here, Gav. Start us off. What are we feeling this weekend? I already said it. Don't
1: overthink it. They're the better team. They're out at home. I don't know why they're an underdog. Texans money line to give it to me.
0: Yeah, I have Texans money line to round out this one as well. But I also have Bears plus three. Put the Vikings in the coffin. I'm done with this team. I don't want to talk about them anymore. J. Jeff's out. Kirk will not move the ball against this team. And if he does, well, Justin Fields, I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe in Justin Fields. I know it's going to come back to bite me, but this is the game where I'm going to ride with him. You know, he's actually playing some decent football. His stats are a little bit inflated because he had two huge games
1: each of the past two weeks. Um, But give it a whole season. We'll see how he actually is. He's playing decent football, though. Another game, I already or another pick, I already mentioned the pick. Don't overthink it. It's two defenses that are average at best. It's two offenses that are elite at best, above average at worst. Seahawks, Bengals, over 45. That could get there in the first half. 100%.
0: 100%. I love that one. I have that game as well on my slate here. So we're just knocking games off here. I'm going to go <laughs> to the Niners Browns game, though. I like the Niners as a 10 point favorite. It already catched me once this year with the 10 point favorites and the Cowboys. I'm going to ride with it again. Give me the Niners. Are they at home or on the road? I think they're at home. They're on, they're, on, they're on the road. They're on the road. Even if this game gets made a battle of running backs, I still like the Niners in this one. Christian McCaffrey is just too good. He's good for at least two touchdowns in this one. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning. Well, how about about the Niners betters? They got four and a half, which is where this line
1: originally opened before Deshaun Watson got ruled out. That is almost six points of closing line value. Just simply incredible. My third and final pick. Another one we already mentioned. I mean, we took we took all these, all these picks uh, out of my mouth before I could give them. Uh, but give me the under in the London game. Ravens-Titans under 42. It's going to be sloppy. It, there's going to be some turnovers. The Titans cannot convert in the red zone. La, the Ravens are one-dimensional on offense. Under
0: 42 in London. Some teams adjusting. Give it to me. I like it a lot. I am going to go with my – for my final pick, I'm going to go with – under 42 and Ravens Titan. That's what I just said. Oh, my God. I'm tripping. <laughs> um, that is the, that's the one. Double up. I'm not going to double up there. Uh, dude, oh, my God. This slate is just ridiculous. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going Eagles minus seven. I'm going to keep it with that large point favorite. So, we got Niners minus 10, Bears plus three, Texans money line, which you took. So, I'm going to go with Eagles minus seven. I like the, we're we're clearly on the same page, though, especially
1: yeah. with the Texans and the, uh, the under in the Ravens Titans game. So, for the listeners at home,
0: you know where we lean, you know what we're really confident in. Stay there. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, we, we're actually on the exact same page with all our bets this weekend. So, I had to call some audibles, might hurt the record, but regardless, should be fun. Excited for another weekend of football, and we will see you guys next week to recap this huge weekend.